Hello, this is Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is In Flight Entertainment. Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, August is almost done. But before uh, we leave this wonderful hot month of August, when I went to LA and it's been hot all, what, since June? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the past couple weeks have been a little addition, extra hot, but I feel like I can't really complain because it's only been in the 80s. So, okay. so well, it's not like it's not like Texas weather or no, other places. No. Yeah, but out here around the Hollywood Hills, uh, around North Hollywood area. Freaking nine high nineties the whole time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. Well, you know that's why we stay in an AC and we watching you know movies so we can give you guys some reviews and some recommendations um, based off that. And this week we are hitting you with a review of. Uh, Ethan Hawke's The Black Phone. Yeah, I'm looking at the IMDb. It said 2021. I thought it came out this year. Uh, I believe it was in the theaters, like maybe in November or December. Oh, right. Okay. Um, But it is streaming on Peacock now. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. As uh, Jonah said, this is a, you know, well, Ethan Hawke is the pretty much the only you know, known person in this movie and the rest are you know, youngsters uh, you may what was it, Jeremy Davies? What was he? He was a dad. He definitely has a face where I'm like I know you from something but I don't recognize what you've been in. Okay, he was, uh, in... Oh, he was a twister. Yeah, he was the little nerdy one. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep. And save the uh, Private Ryan. Oh, that's what I know from. Oh, yeah. I don't remember him from Saving Private Ryan, but I do remember him from Twister. Um <laughs> he was also in the TV show Constantine, which I'm and Hannibal, so I may remember him from those. Oh. Uh he was also in Lost. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. he was in 34 episodes on Lost. I sort of blocked that show from my <laughs> mental capacity. So um, so when did you check out? Was that was it before or after the writer strike that pretty much like brought that show down? Uh I don't remember when the writer strike hit in relation to that film, but it was right around the time where they started doing the the Ford flashes. Yeah. It was yeah. just it felt very uh, schizophrenic to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very sharp, jumpy. I think that was around the writer's strike. Or they were just coming off of it and they were trying to figure out, like, how to salvage the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah. On to this one. All right. So, what's the synopsis for this? Okay. So, the synopsis is. It, the movie takes place in the 70s. So after being abducted by, by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. 
I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah, that is the description of the film. But but they do a really poor job of really getting to the tension that you get in like all the trailers for the movie. Um, And even the the poster for the film feels a little bit more sinister than this description. Yeah, that's true. And and you're right. And actually, you know, when I seen the trailer for this, when it came out, I'm like, okay. Like so, this is a slasher film. So I, you know, uh-huh. I was like, no, this is a like, this is like a horror film. And then we look at the poster. There's Ethan Hunt and like this mask. I'm like, is this kind of like a purge type situation? <laughs> like, oh no. Uh, but that's why I like the market. It was good. They kind of kept me guessing. Like, well, what the hell is this movie about? Where, right. Know, or or is it like a, a psychological thriller? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas some of the most like you know horror trailers now, which is edited just horribly, they give you like the first act, second act, and third act of a horror movie in the two minute trailer. So it's like, okay, I guess I know what this movie's about. You know, I don't need to watch that. Yeah, and and the director Scott Derrickson, yep. uh, he he has done some other like horror movies Um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose which is a fantastic film super creepy Mm -hmm. it it does a a nice mix of psychological and horror which I feel like most horror movies um, sort of struggle for that they either go full on horror full on slasher but The Exorcism of Emily Rose is a nice mix of the slasher, creepy, or exactly. Actually, and he did this. Um, he did this like really, like really small independent film. Uh, after that, um, I don't know if anyone heard of it. You know, I, don't, I think it bombed at the box. So it didn't do really well. It was called uh, Doctor Strange. Um, and it was like Benedict Cumberbatch's in it. I don't think anyone's seen the movie. Um, so that was like uh, his his uh big movie so like Kevin Feige was like hey I like what you you know do with psychological horror stuff like that we do but we gotta bring one of the trippy visually trippiest Marvel characters to the big screen let's see what you can do and uh he did a really great job with the first Doctor Strange in my opinion um I brought him to life on a big screen and unfortunately I think it was due to creative differences that he didn't stay on for the follow-up Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So he didn't direct it. So Sam Raimi came on and gave us the Sam Raimi-ness of Doctor Strange, which, you know, hey, it's, it's Sam Raimi, so I can't hate. Uh, so that that led Derrickson to do the Black Phone because he wanted to kind of, you know, get back to basics, do something a little smaller. And uh, yeah, that's why we have this particular project. After yeah, and uh, the movie is is based off of a short story, also by the same name, "The Black Phone," by Joe Hill. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that the the description doesn't really capture the IMDb description doesn't really capture the essence of the film. Um, the first part of the film is really about following two kids. Um, it's played by Madeline McGraw and Mason Thames. Their names are Finney and Gwen in the, in the film. And it's really following them. And the, like 
the tension that happens in junior high where you have bullies um, and also bad things happening within your town. And there's kids that keep disappearing. And so we, we learn about that through like missing posters of kids and just finding out that the kids are also living in a really abusive house and yeah. like the little, the, the, the young woman, the oh, little girl, oh my God. holy shit. Like oh, Madeline yeah. McGraw, she is, she stole the film. Yeah. She's just fucking fantastic. I know all of the reviews are like Ethan Hawke. This yeah. is his performance. Yeah. He did an amazing job of playing a, a, Someone that could be in your nightmares if mm. if you get nightmares. Um, he's just he's he's fantastic. But I wouldn't go into this film thinking that you're going to get. Um, what 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 are some what's the movie with the oh saw what's the oh, saw yeah. character? Uh, jigsaw. <laughs> jigsaw. Thanks. You're like you're not going to have anything like just jigsaw in this film. This is more of that supernatural mm-hmm. psychological thriller right. because we do learn through the Gwen and Finney interacting that she has dreams that she can see things. And there's a fantastic scene where she gets called to the principal's office and there's some cops in there and they're asking her how she knows about things that they haven't released to the press about the kids that have disappeared. And she tells them that she's dreamt about it and they just keep telling her like, no, tell us the truth. And she goes off on this angry, (laughs) profanity laden yelling at them to basically get their shit together and pull their head out of their ass. And I just like that scene made me laugh because (laughs) it's such like not only how a kid, like it's how every woman wants to react to people that don't listen to her and just having her react to these cops and these adults was just, it's so perfect. I loved it. Yeah. No, she was awesome. She, yeah, she needed to, yes. Yeah, people have her on a radar, on a radar. Cause man, she, every scene, she, she, like you said, she stole every scene. Like there was a, a scene where, you know, his, her brother, you know, was getting beat up by bullies. So, you know, he, she like, like, you know, just like a bull rushing towards, you know, the people that was beating up, you know, have a rock and just like knocked one inside the head and stuff. And she's, and she's taking the ass woman just like, you know, her brother, you know, but she don't care. Like she got, she's defending her, you know, her brother, you know, like, like a big, like she's the big brother almost, you know, <laughs> like, and that's like kind of the fearlessness in her character. She's like, hey, like, get off my family kind of thing, even though she knows she's out overpowered, like she's going to make sure you're hurt, even though she may lose, but she, <laughs> she got to get some licks in and like her, like how she was written was so multi-layered, you know, and the story that it, this whole story of, you know, bullies, like, you know, in school and in, in the house, it's like these two kids can't escape the element of being bullied. Like they're like everywhere they go, they go home, they bully, you know, they go to school, they bully, 
Like there's no way around like this element. And then you have the stalker. Just like these kids are not safe anywhere, you know. And it's like it's such a dire like tone. And I thought it was really unique, you know. Yeah. So apparently, um, the director Scott Der- Derrickson was so impressed with with Madeline McCraw that he pushed back the production date so that she can actually be in the film. Nice. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, super smart, but it's not easy to just push back production of a film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think I think I think he was still kind of riding off the cloud of his last movie. Like, look, okay, I look, I directed Doctor Strange. Okay, like we need to push this back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, okay, it's like I just got my mouse checked. Y'all listen to me. I know what I'm yeah. doing. Uh, and Ethan Hawke's character is actually called the the grabber. Um, he's not the. Let's see, yeah, just the grabber. He doesn't get any other name besides the grabber. Um, which in the um the like the fast food joint that the kids go to is called Grab and Go, which is also the name of Ethan Hawke's character in Sinister. Um, so just it's all connected guys it's all connected <laughs> people may laugh at, at uh, Jen, Chrissy and I creating our actor universes with their different characters but it's all connected exactly this is like the Scott Derrickson verse because he directed a, a uh-huh. <laughs> the Derrickson verse <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny yeah and so you know, we have, you know, like a lot of moments where our main character that's that's been most of the movie stuck in this this room with a black phone that the Ethan Hawk character constantly tell him, like, you know, it don't work. Like, don't like don't go for it. It's like the phone don't work. Like, and but little do uh the Ethan Hawk character know the main character gets calls from the beyond, AKA the, uh, the kids that got murdered. So they're trying to give him clues. They're trying to help him through the black phone, communicate him through the black phone, like get out of the The basement basement. that he's being held in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there was five kids that were abducted before him and each kid gives him a different escape method. And at the very end, all of that comes together um, on why like each one of the kids was unable to escape. But when you put it all together, it may work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and for all of my uh, true crime fanatics out there, the grabber is actually based off of um, real life serial killers, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Jeffrey Dahmer. So Ted Bundy would use a ruse to lure victims to help him to his car. So for example, one time he was trying to put a boat on the back of his car and he had a broken arm. So he asked for help and then he hit the person over the head and threw him in the car. Uh, John Wayne Gacy would use a belt on his victims to strangle them. 
Jeffrey Dahmer had one victim escape from his apartment only to be recaptured. And I believe Jeff- Jeffrey Dahmer kept some of them in his basement. Yeah. yeah basement. Um, so it's all like true crime. If you are into that, you actually may appreciate some of the things happening in this film. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And plus it was set in what, 78 in Denver. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I didn't catch what city it was in, but yeah, um, yeah it was definitely the seventies, based on the clothes and the music and everything. Um, the film also has a really nice grittiness to it. It feels dirty. It feels um, old school. It mm-hmm. it just yeah. yeah. It's like the. It ref- it, like the feel of the film reflects the feel of the grabber. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the dirty, grainy, not as overly saturated, grainy, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it do have, like, like you said, that 70s, you know, like film, like grain, slightly desaturated, you know, look to it. Um, that, yeah, I thought that was, it was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and also like our two two main kids, part of their being like viewed as an outsider or um, less than everyone else around them is that they also always look sort of dirty and disheveled, uh-huh. um, which also adds to that feeling of the movie that they're everything is is sort of wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing, and it's kind of like. Because like they, it, it almost like they could never catch a break. It's like you know, in school can't catch a break. At home they can't catch a break. They they just look war torn. <laughs> you know, yeah. coming out of their house, going to school, going out, going out of school, going home. It just like they just can't have peace, I and mean, it just shows. And, I, and those the two young characters does an amazing job of just having this weariness to their character. You know, it's like. Man, like, yeah, all these kids want to do is just, you know, play ice cream, get on their bikes, and just be kids. But, you know, it just wasn't that environment, unfortunately. Wait, guess who? Joe Hill, who wrote the short story, guess who his father is? Not Walter, is it? it well, no, Joe Hill, who wrote the, the short story, yeah. the author. His father is Stephen King. No. Yeah. What? Oh, that's funny. All yeah. right. So good material, good source material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes so much more sense now. Yeah, so yeah, okay. So we got that it element minus the Pennywise element. We still have like the kids in the back in the day type thing, you know. But it follows siblings. Okay. Yeah. So the beginning of the film, there's a scene where Finney and Gwen are trying not to make any noise during breakfast. And the dad mentions the town of Boulder when when saying that they're making so much noise that they could hear him over in Boulder. Boulder, yeah. And Boulder is the town in Steve in the Shining where the Torrance family lives. (laughs) 
you know it's funny because I, while I was watching this movie and I was telling Chris like you know what this has a shining type feel to it a little bit mm-hmm. because yes. because the supernatural element I think the thing about you know most of Stephen King's stories is the super out the supernatural element is not always necessarily explained it's just kind of there just like right. in the shining right you know um you know Danny just knew how to shine and yeah. but we never knew the explanation why he had the ability to shine and like now it was we just knew it's like okay well Danny know how to shine okay it's just like the you know the little girl in this movie like she have these dreams like how do we know it was it was it was a through the story, through the movie, it was kind of like, well, the mother had like some mental issues. That was kind of like kind of a backstory. Like, so maybe like it's it's a lineage to her mother, maybe, but it's not explained. It's like, yeah, you know, it's hinted, but not really. So right. So so yeah. Um, in my mind, like the dad kept saying that she had she heard voices and everything where. Other people may view the people's supernatural abilities as mental defects Mm. versus an actual talent. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's what I really appreciate about stories. Kind of like those Stephen King stories. It's just like, all right, we just know people possess certain things in this story. Like, all right. That's all. Uh, sometimes that's all you really need to know. You don't need to go into an origin. You don't need to go into like a fifteen minute flashback of how this person like got it and like that. Just like if it moves the story forward, like this, let's just keep going. Like, all right, these people have these things, and it's pushing the narrative. All right, let's just keep going. Like, I don't really need much of an explanation. Uh, that's why I, I think that's why I really like about. It. So, okay, the black phone is a conduit with the afterlife. And, you know, the main character, like, okay, it was explained within the situation very well. Okay, that's all I need. Like, let's let's keep going, you know. Like, I don't need to do a flashback of, like, something that happened. And then, like, no, 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 no. Because that kind of, because that, sometimes that takes you away from the dire situation of what you watch it in the moment, you know. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah, that's my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah so Ethan Hawke criminally like just like underappreciated he don't get enough flowers like over the decades he's been our he's been our 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 utility actor (laughs) over the decades in various movies yeah yeah he's um he He's very under. I feel like he's not utilized enough, but maybe he only picks the projects that he wants to work in. Yeah, totally. And the projects he's in, like, bam, <laughs> knocks it out the park. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's what we love about all EJ. Yeah. So now him and um, I wonder if him and his daughter are gonna be in a movie together. They should be. You would think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe over time. Yeah. <laughs> It'll pop up in the Stranger Things episode. So. There you go. Yeah, cool. All right, so, so our, our uh, rating mm-hmm. is sit on the sofa and watch it. Uh, have it on in the background while you're doing other shit or just ignore it completely and go on outside and get on with your life. 
Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is sit down. I mean, I was really surprised and I was pleasantly surprised, like how like deliberate the the pacing was. Like it wasn't like quick, splashy, you know, jump cuts or anything like that, which I really appreciate. It's like like you said, it's like a nice, deliberately slow suspense to build up the stuff, you know, and the characters and it ramps up and they're like Things throughout the story or throughout what you're watching that like, okay, like, I wonder why this is happening. I wonder why he's doing that. I wonder why he's doing that. But it all comes together in the third act. So, I mean, I, I like movies like that. It's like, all right, like, if you give if a real, a real, a well-written movie, like, you give it you let you give it patience and it would deliver, you know, like you don't need to like slap you with everything every two seconds. Like, you know, and it's, it's like almost old school filmmaking. Like that's kind of like how the shine was. It was just kind of like this, you know, this slow kind of wind up. And then when stuff started going to shit, it went to shit. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. what I appreciate about this one. Yeah. I, I, like yeah, this one. I- I have to say when you suggested watching this movie, I kind of had no desire to watch it. Um, mm. I just, I thought it was going to be another, you know, saw type movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did finally watch it last night and thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it really is great. It's not, it's not scary. It's no. not really psychological. I don't know if that's just me and I don't get scared or whatever by films like this, but it was thoroughly enjoyable and it did the the writers and the director really did give the film some air to breathe to let the story build to the to the ending. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the like the better psychological thrillers that have come out in you know a while. And yeah, I, I, w- I would suggest this one a lot. And the sea of like Jim said, I see a lot of subpar you know stuff that's you know coming out in this genre. This is actually a like a really thoughtful <laughs> and well-written, yes. you know, psychological thriller. Um, so there you have yeah. it. So, and you did ask, you, you thought it was released in June. So I think it made the uh, movie like film festivals earlier in the year. Okay. And it was getting so much attention and high praise, like in December, June, or sorry, December, January, that they actually pushed out the release so it could be released in theaters in June. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So, Glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. So, and it did pretty well. Uh, let's see. It was uh, 18, 16, $18 million budget. And end up grossing a hundred and fifty-two point seven. Yeah, there's there's a nice return on investment there. Yeah, yeah. That's so, good. yeah. <laughs> so check it, it out on Peacock. It's mm-hmm. it's on there, so you can watch it. It's it's streaming on Peacock with no commercials, um, so you can watch it from the safety of your home. And just enjoy some creepy Ethan Hawke and some really amazing child actors. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was an Emmy. Madeline, Madeline McGraw. Like, be on the lookout for her. Like, 
Yeah. yeah. She needs to be in more just, stuff. She's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Her, yeah, her, her cursing tangents is just like things of legend. Uh, so, but anyway, so we'll catch you guys next week with some more. Until then, we wish everyone safe physical distancing. Stay healthy. Yes. Peace.